This summer we were traveling out of state and uh, uh, somebody knocked on our door here in Aurora and Gina pulled out her phone and talked to the person that was at the door all the while not telling them that we were not even home. It was awesome. She had this conversation. This person thought we were there at, at, at home and we were in another state and they were chatting it up because we have one of those really in vogue doorbell things with the video and the speaker on it. And I thought, that's crazy. You can be in two places at one time. We, we have a similar device in our kitchen. And when we go out of town, we love to talk to our cat midnight. Whenever we miss midnight, we will dial her up and we will begin to meow to her through the speaker. And inevitably, she will run to the kitchen and begin to talk back to us. We have great communication with midnight. Sometimes we actually catch her laying out on the kitchen counter or on the kitchen table, places that are uh, forbidden um, when mom and dad are home. But she kind of feels like she takes over and owns the place. But it's really awesome because you can be in two places at once. And <laughs> the topic we're talking about today is about presence. It's about the presence of God. Did you know that God can be in more than one place at a time? Did you know that God is everywhere? There's no place that God is not allowed or there's no place that is off limits to the Lord. And last week we kicked off this series uh, where we've been talking about uncertain, certain truths for uncertain times. And we talked about how there's so many uncertainties in our world. We, we have a political election coming up and there's uncertainties. And we're wondering, is the pandemic going to get worse or, or is it going to get better? Are my kids going to go to school at school or are they going to be at home? Am I going to work at the office or am I going to work from my living room? Uncertain. There's a lot of uncertainties, isn't there? But one thing we can be certain about is about the nature and the character of God. Last week, we talked about God's omniscience, the fact that God knows everything. Today, we're going to build on that by talking about the omnipresence of God, which means God is everywhere. And omni means all. God is all present. And that has so much implications into our own spiritual life. So I hope you'll grab your notes. You can follow along with where we're going today. The prophet Jeremiah said in chapter 23, verse 24, I am a God who is everywhere and not in one place. Do you not know that I'm everywhere in heaven and on the earth? Now, sometimes people say, well, where is God? And people say, well, he's in my heart. And yes, I hope that he is in your heart. And that's true. And sometimes people say, well, God's at church. And uh, I've felt the presence of God at church today, and, and uh, I'm glad that God's at church. Some people say God's in heaven, and that's true. God is in heaven. But more precisely, God is everywhere. God's everywhere. He cannot be bound by the proximity of a room or even a city or a state or a region. God is everywhere. And this everywhere God wants to have a unique relationship with us. And let's talk today about how the omnipresence of God can make a huge difference in your life today. Because it's one thing to say God is everywhere and then to also say, but what does that 
What does that mean exactly? Because that sounds cool, God's everywhere, but what does that really, really mean? Look with me, if you would, at Psalm 139 real quickly. Um, where can I go to escape your spirit, verse 7 says. Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heaven, you are there. And if I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. So he says Sheol cannot take us away from the presence of God. And that's death he's talking about there. Um, it would be foolish to think that you could run to heaven and get away from God. But that's where God lives. And even hell cannot take us away from the presence of God. The Lord, the word for hell is the Hebrew word Sheol, which means the grave. And so the message here of Psalm 139 is that whether you are soaring or sinking, you cannot get away from God. But not only can Sheol not separate us, also space cannot separate us. Um, Psalm 139.9 says, If I live at the eastern horizon or settle on the western limits, even there your hand will lead me, your right hand will hold on to me. In other words, you could go the furthest to the west and you could go the furthest to the east and you would not be void of God's presence. I've been to some other countries. I've been to Europe and Asia and I've even been to South America. And it's amazing. God... God's presence was in all of those places. That was one of the great conclusions I came back um, thinking about, you know, back to, to the U.S. God was there. I felt his presence. I saw God's work. It was amazing. So there's no, there's no place that's void of God's presence. Space cannot separate us. We can travel. Sometimes we think, oh, I can run from God. The story of Jonah... I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to get on a boat and head as far away from the presence of God as I can. You can't get away from the presence of God. Moving, changing jobs, changing marriages, moving city, states, and countries will not get you away from God's presence. And not even sin can take you away from the presence of God. In verse 11 he says, If I say surely the darkness will hide me and the light around me will become night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night shines like the day. The darkness and the light are like you. And uh, our sin leads us to live in darkness. But no matter how much darkness that we've walked in, God is always there. So if all of that is true, how can God's presence, how can his omnipresence, more precisely, make a big difference in our lives? And I want you to write these four things down on your notes. Number one, it comforts me when I'm afraid. Okay, the presence of God comforts me when I'm afraid. Isaiah 43, 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you and the rivers will not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched and the flame will not burn you. It kind of reminds me of uh, the friends of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. And some of you may know that story. They were thrown into the fiery furnace because of their belief in Almighty God. And the Bible says that they were not scorched. They were not burned and they were brought up out of the fiery furnace. And the only thing that had burned was the ropes that had bound them. <laughs> man, when the presence of God is in your life, man, you can go through the fire and not even be burned. God's presence, 
God's presence is powerful. And God's presence was there in that fiery furnace uh, by the presence of that fourth man in the fire. The Babylonians said, well, we threw three guys in, but there's four guys there. And that was the presence of, of God expressed in his son, Jesus Christ, that was there in that fiery furnace. Man, listen, you're not alone. You may be in the fire. You may be in the pit, but God is not going to abandon you. God comforts me when I'm afraid. Um, you remember the story of Moses, Exodus chapter 3. God tells Moses in a burning bush, go back to Egypt and deliver my people. And Moses says, you know, God, I'm not interested. I, thanks for the offer, but I, I have no desire to do that. And what does God say to him? God does not give Moses a punch list. He doesn't give him like a formula or a to, you know, do these ten things. God tells Moses one thing. He says, Moses, I'm going to be with you. And that one profound statement led him to deliver the Israelite people that had been oppressed for all those years. Isn't that amazing? I'm telling you today, when you know that God is with you, you can accomplish great things. You can do profound, you can do amazing things. When you know that when you're afraid, God is in your corner and God's standing with you. Psalm 16 verse 8 says, I am always aware of the Lord's presence. He is near and nothing can shake me. And I'm thankful and glad and I feel completely secure. Listen, when you are aware of God's presence in your life, you will not be shaken. If you're living a life bound up by fear, maybe you have forgotten that God is with you. God's with you. So you can be secure. You don't have to walk in fear. God is the one that is beside you. God is with you in the fire. God is with you in adversity. And he says, I am always aware of the Lord's presence. Listen, we always have to be thinking about God's presence in our life because it's easy to not think about it. And when we go down that path of anxiety and worry, we need to say, wait a second. I've forgotten. God's presence is always with me. Oh, maybe it will be okay. Okay, Lord, let me refocus. And that's where we find complete security. That's, that's a great stabilizer and a great stress reliever in our own experience. Um, it, it, it brings that. Uh, God's presence comforts me when I'm afraid. Um, insecurity is like looking at a funhouse mirror at the county fair. Have you guys ever looked at those things? Maybe you've been to a state fair or a county fair. Or you've been to an amusement park. And they have those, all those mirrors, and they're fun to look at. One makes you look like you're like 10 feet tall, and we all like that because we feel skinny when we look at that. Amen? And then there's one that makes you look like you're like 10 feet wide. You know, most people don't like that one. And then there's one that's the swirl, like you've got the swirly head. And then there's the one that, that's like the multiples. It makes it look like there's 50 of you. And then you walk away from the mirrors and you kind of look at yourself and you're like, oh, it's not the way that it appeared. You know, when we live a life of anxiety and worry, it's like looking at a funhouse mirror. It distorts our vision and perception of ourself and it causes us to feel anxiety. God wants us to look at reality. 
God wants us to look at who we really are. And He wants us to look at who He is, not some distorted image of what the devil wants us to think that we are. And so we need to look in that mirror, don't we? God's presence comforts me when I'm afraid. It also does the second thing. It helps me when I'm in need. Some of us have some significant physical needs. And maybe you need some finances. Or maybe you've lost work. Or maybe your job's not going so well. Or maybe you've been laid off. Or, or, or you know, you're going through some kind of financial setback. Hebrews 13 begins to talk about that. And it ties the presence of God to financial provision. Check it out. Keep your life free from the love of money. Be satisfied with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you or abandon you. Therefore, we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid what man can do to me. Now it's beautiful. Financial provision and the presence of God are brought together in these Two verses, And he says, first of all, don't be consumed by the love of money. You know, if you think that what you need is this, but in reality what you need is this, then you're always going to be frustrated with God and you're always going to feel like he's holding back on you. So he says, don't be consumed by the love of money. You know, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And when we have this insatiable quest for stuff, it, it distorts everything, doesn't it? So he says, first of all, don't be consumed by the love of money. But then he comes back and shortly thereafter he says, be satisfied with, you have, with what you have because I will never leave you or abandon you. So in other words, when you're in financial need, God is going to be there. God does not run off just because you're going through a hardship. In fact, sometimes you might feel the presence of God more in your life when you're going through some hard times. Amen? Some of you have felt that before, right? We feel the presence of God when things are bad sometimes more than we do when things are good. Because when things are good, we kind of forget that God's the one that's blessing us. But he says, therefore, you may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid what man can do to me. Sometimes we fear the landlord more than we fear God Almighty. We should fear God more than anything else. But I love this term helper. The Lord is my helper. Do you believe that? You know, when you're going through some financial woes and some setbacks and difficulties, God is the one who we should turn to. And God will often speak to us in our spirit and in our heart, and he'll give us creative ideas. I was talking with somebody um, earlier this week, a church member that lost work when the pandemic hit. But right before all of the shutdown happened, he bought some equipment and started another business, and it kind of was just like a hobby. But he's been out hustling the hobby, and God's been providing for his family in an amazing way through this other venture. And it was not something that was super planned or thought through. But God had put it in his heart to kind of start doing this, this other thing. And it's, it's, it's been creative. It's, it's been a blessing. Sometimes God will give you creative ideas. When you have a need, God is your helper. See? And I love this because sometimes we think, well, if God's going to intervene, God's going to do it all for me. God is our helper. God is not 
always the doer of everything, but God is the helper. God is the one that's going to help you do what you need to do. And sometimes he does that through creative ideas. Sometimes he opens doors of opportunity that are unexpected. The Lord is your helper. Okay, remember that today. If you have financial need, the Lord is your helper. And he says, I won't be afraid. So listen, when the Lord is your helper, it helps you not walk in fear. Do you see the connection? He says, I won't be afraid. And then I won't be afraid what people, what man can do to me. Uh, my kids don't worry if they're going to have food for the day. Uh, my kids don't worry if they're going to have clothes or someplace to lay their head. They, they believe that they're going to be provided for. That's exactly, what, that's exactly what Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 6 when he said, Listen, don't worry. The birds of the air, they don't worry. The lilies of the field, do they look stressed out? God just provides for them. God takes care of them. The Lord is our helper. The Lord's our helper. God's going to take care of you. God's going to provide for you. Just like an earthly mother and father want to take care of their children, your heavenly father wants to take care of you. So don't be discouraged. Don't, don't be anxious. Don't, don't worry. The Lord, the Lord is your helper. The Lord's your helper. Philippians 4.13 says, I don't say this out of need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. I know how to make do with little, and I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or need, I'm able to do all things through Christ who gives me Strength And the context of this is, is, is related around giving. It's, it's related around, around generosity. And the Apostle Paul says, you know what, man? I've just learned the secret of being content. What is the secret of being content when you have a little and the secret of being content when you have a lot? In other words, there's stability. My, my provision doesn't, doesn't change my confidence in God. I can feel content when I got a lot and I can feel content when I have a little. A lot of people can't say that. A lot of people just say, well, I can feel content if I have more than I had last year. But let me ask you, can you be content when you don't have what you used to have? Can you be content when you're not making the money that you think you should be making? Or you're not given the opportunity that you feel like you should be giving? Paul says, listen, I've learned to be content in all circumstances. Why? Because he knew that God was his helper. And when you see as God, God as your enabler and as your helper, it will bring a steady confidence in your own existence that allows you to not be anxious, but allows you to be strengthened and encouraged. Amen? So God's watching out for you. The Lord is your helper. You can be content in all things. Um, number three, the presence of God empowers me when I'm tempted. Okay, so he helps me when I'm in need. He comforts me when I'm afraid. And he empowers me when I'm tempted. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation, no temptation has come upon you except what is common to humanity. But God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way out so that you may Bear it. 
Now, how do we know that God's presence is with me in temptation? Well, if you go to 1 Corinthians 6, 19, which is right before 1 Corinthians 10, 13, he says, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit in whom you have from God? So in other words, if you're in Christ, if Jesus is in your life, you have the presence of the Holy Spirit, which is the presence of God in you. And everywhere you go, listen, when you go to work in the morning, guess what? You got the presence of God in you. When you go to bed at night, guess what? Presence of God. When you go to school, students, presence of God. He's with us everywhere. Because our body is that temple of the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, the temple was the place where the presence of God dwelt. But under the new covenant, the Holy Spirit comes into the life of each individual believer. You have the presence of God with you. Now, come on. you got to put your chin up a little higher. you got to quit being so discouraged. you got the Holy Spirit of God within you. That's an amazing thing. And because of that, we don't have to succumb to temptation like we would otherwise. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, There is no temptation except what's common to humanity. In other words, everybody gets tempted. right? Wouldn't that be awesome if we just went through life and we were like, I'm never tempted. Now, you know, the Bible teaches us that we should not put ourselves in places of temptation. And you could make choices that bring about more temptation in your life than other temptations. But everybody is going to be tempted. There's no temptation except which is common to man. But he says, God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. And it's like the Bible saying this. When you're tempted, there is always a fire exit. There's always a way out. It's the presence of God in us saying, go this way, not that way. Date this person, not that person. Don't go down that path. The question is, are we listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit within us when we do get tempted? Because we can tune it out. We can shut it off. And sometimes the Holy Spirit can be screaming at us and we cannot be listening. So we got to listen to that voice, man. God always makes a way out. Listen, there's never a time in your life where you're tempted beyond what you're able. Now, now you may feel you're right up to the, to, to the ledge of temptation. There may be some times when, when you're pressed uh, beyond what you think your capabilities are. But listen, there's always, there's always a fire exit. There's always a, there's always a way of escape. Sometimes that's run. That's the Joseph method. Remember Joseph in the Old Testament? He got tempted. His boss's wife started hitting on him. What did he do? Put on the Nike Airs. And he hustled out of there. Running is a great thing. But there's always a way of, there's always a way of escape. There's always a way out. And God is watching us when we're tempted. Now, now check it out. Think about this for a moment. How would it begin to change the choices that we make if we really believed that God was watching everything that we did? Would it change some of the conversations that you have with people at the office? Or would it change the way that you interacted with your spouse? Or 
or, or your children or what would you do differently if you really believe that the Lord was listening and watching the things that you do and say? I'll tell you what, it's kind of a creepy thought, isn't it? Gina and I were staying at a VRBO in Texas earlier this summer. And it was this really cool old house. They had fixed it up. They made it into like three different units. But we were the only people that were there. And they had this back patio with all these cool lights and a fire pit. And, you know, a rock garden and these cool trees and all that. And we were sitting out there. We'd had a really nice dinner. And it was, we were just having a great time. And I reached over and I kind of cuddled up next to my wife and put my arm around her. And right as I did so, I looked over my shoulder. And there was a video camera that was there with a red light on. You want to talk about a mood breaker. I looked over my other shoulder and there was another camera and the red light was on too. And I thought, you know what? There's some geeky dude in Vermont eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich watching me cuddle up next to my wife. I mean, it's kind of uncomfortable, isn't it? It changed things. I knew people were watching. Wow. A few years ago, Gina and I were at the movies and I snuck in like a Coke can, Coca-Cola. Because you know they charge like 8 or $10 for a Coke or a soda. Do you guys ever sneak food in? Okay, come on now. Somebody talk to me. Everybody just said amen. It's a lot cheaper that way. Did you, did you know you can, go, you can go spend 99 cents on some Junior Mints or Milk Duds over at the grocery store? And then you can, go, anyway, I'm going to get off on that. But I had a soda. I'd snuck it in there under my jacket. I'd done a stellar job. I was like really proud. I'm sitting there. It's the middle of the movie. And the manager of the movie theater comes over and he goes, I see that Coke can that you have. That is a violation of our policies. I'm going to act like I didn't see it. I'm going to leave the theater. But when I come back, I expect that that will be thrown away in the trash can. And that you'll never do that again. And I was like, my goodness, the pastor can't get away with anything. <laughs> Maybe you felt that way before. And God's always watching. God's watching the things that we say. God's watching the things that we do. God's watching. I, I, I wonder how many changes it would make in our own behavior if we just thought about that like before we lash out uh oh God's listening in before I lose my cool God's here I can't do that you know a few years ago Gina said Ryan did you get did you uh did you run a red light and I was like what are you talking about and she handed me this paper from the city of Denver and I looked at it and I was like I didn't run a red light she handed me the paper and I looked at it and it was a picture of me in my Toyota 4Runner. It, it was a great photo, by the way. And I had a big smile on my face, you know, and I was driving like this. And it had the time, and it had the date, and it had the intersection. And I was like, you know what? Last month I went to the chiropractor, and his office is right down the, it's just right down the street from that. And as I thought about it, I thought, I don't have any excuses. I'm totally busted, right? There's a photo. I can't argue. It's all right there. So, like, I'm paranoid whenever I go to the chiropractor. I drive, like, 10 miles an hour, you know, because I'm afraid that the cameras are going to get me 
one way or the other. I never know whether to stop or to gun it or what to do. It makes me a lot more cautious. I wonder how much more cautious we would be in our own choices if we just recognized and realized God, God is watching. God's watching. Maybe we would make some new friends. Maybe we would um, leave some places that we normally go. Maybe we would quit making excuses. Um, All these things begin to change our motivations and change our decisions. Hebrews 4.13 says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Now here's what's so crazy. God sees every choice and decision that you've made. But God still loves you. I mean, is that incredible? See, God's love for you is not based on ignorance. God's love for you is not based on a lack of knowledge. God knows everything. God sees everything. And he sees all the mistakes and he sees all the shortcomings and he still loves you. That's amazing. That's why God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross, to rise from the grave on the third day. God loved you. God loved you. So it empowers me when I'm tempted. Okay, It's a good thing to think about God's with me. God's there. God's in the back seat watching me. God's listening in. God's sitting in the chair next to me in the board meeting. You know, whatever it is, God's there. Here's a final thing. God's presence assures me when I'm alone. You might feel alone because maybe you're aging, getting older. You might feel alone because you're sick. You might feel alone because... Maybe you don't have all the family around you that you wish that you did. Or maybe you live in a different city and maybe you just moved somewhere and you're starting a new school and a new chapter of life and you just feel alone. It's in those moments that God wants us to remember that he is the one who was always with us. And when we are lonely, we are never alone. Deuteronomy 31.8 says, The Lord is the one who will go before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or abandon you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. In other words, God is my constant companion. People may hurt us. People may disappoint us. People may abandon us. But God is always with us. And that brings us great joy. Now, the psalmist said in Psalm 1611, you reveal the path of life to me in your presence. There is, say it with me, Abundant joy at your right hand are eternal pleasures. In other words, when you have the presence of God in your life, what does it bring about? It brings about joy because I'm not alone. So I don't have to be discouraged. I don't have to be defeated. Yeah, maybe some things aren't going the way that I maybe planned it out in my head or maybe the way that I thought or wished it would have gone. But you know what? I have the presence of God with me. And when the presence of God is with me, it brings about great joy. It brings about great joy. So that's our challenge this week is to remember God's presence. 
Man, God's watching. God's with us. God's presence comforts us when we're afraid. It helps us when we're in need. It empowers us when we're tempted. It assures us when we're alone. God is with us everywhere we go. I can never go a place without God. Let's pray together for just a moment. Let's bow our heads and our hearts.